Hi, this is Stephanie Hansen, and you are listening to The Makers of Minnesota, a podcast where we talk to cool people doing cool things in the state of Minnesota. And I'm actually in a very cool studio right now. I'm with Benjamin Kelly. He is the designer and owner of the company called Dinosaur Hampton. And I asked you when I introduced you how I should introduce you because you're a designer, you're a stylist, yep. you're a maker, you're a textile expert. Experts are You're great all word. those things. Uh, yep. So we're in a, just to give you a little bit of setting, because I am actually in the studio and we're right off on North 2nd Street. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about how you got started in being a designer in the clothing business. And specifically, you are an embroiderer. Yep. Yes. As well as someone that works with textiles in lots of cool ways. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, I I feel that I am just a, a gypsy artist, just selling snake oil from one town to another. And anyone who knows me, that would make sense because I didn't. I haven't been doing clothing for for too long, really. What I've been doing is just all things arts. I did performance. I did music, and so the story of how I got here is essentially since I was a teenager, I played music. I played bass. And where'd you go to high school? I went to Andover High School. Okay, North Burbs, the Twin Cities. I was going to say Andover, that design mecca. <laughs> right, absolutely. <laughs> More so like it was like sports mecca, which means that I, as like an arty kid who got like bullied for being weirdo. Were was, you a weirdo in high school? Uh, I was a super weirdo and I was a total like smart ass. So it's like, you know, I had a, I have a twin sister. I have an older brother who I went to school with as well and who are lovely, lovely people. But like I chose to be this weird creative thing and... You know, you take your licks as anyone would growing up through it. But in yourself as an island, you learn to develop what you like and what you don't like. And from early on is where you cultivate your own visions and creativity and and ideas. And so I started playing music. I played in my older brother's heavy metal band. And I started playing gigs when I was like 15. I was coming to the cities and playing in bands and things like that. And I formed new bands and I was playing with other gigs. And then, you know... As soon as I was able to have a car, I was like sneaking into clubs and seeing music and shows or whatever I could. And that's all I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Yep. I didn't care. Be a musician. And then I went to college for music to do it uh, essentially professionally as a session player. And that has been my job since I was, uh, you know, young. Yeah. Um, a touring bass player playing with songwriters and doing records and doing theater stuff. And then I started writing film scores for indie films and then writing scripts for theater and then performing and things and and. And just being on stage and in the recording studio, and it was awesome. And I was, I've done that really my whole life. That's what I got my degree in, and I totally loved it. And what was happening, and you know, I was doing all this music and this performing, and I wasn't making a million dollars, so I was like, well, I gotta figure something out. It was 2014. I had finished a run of a variety show, sort of a, a faux vaudeville public access television show that I produced at a theater in Minneapolis. Cool. We finished the run after a year. It was a total smash. And I was like, I'm going to go to California. I knew some people there. And I was like, they work for, you know, the big studios, the Hollywood. And yeah. I was like, maybe I move here and I write for movies or film or something like that. I'd, I'd love that. And so I was like, I'm going to go there. I'm also going to go to the beach and I'm also going to go to these awesome clothes stores and just have a ball. While I was there, I met with these folks that work at NBC and Paramount and all these things and nice enough folk, but they, I just didn't feel the drive from them. And some of them were totally burnt up. They were just crispy, like working for this big machine for movies that'll never be made. And then while I was there, I was going to these clothing stores 
and walking into these places and being completely moved by fabrics and clothing. I've always really dug clothes and style. And that so way. were you going into like vintage stores or high-end fashion stores or e- all of it? Everything. Um, California, Los Angeles has has just it, it, so many amazing brands and makers and it's vintage and it's new and it's designer and I didn't really know all the things I, I liked but I Instagram was really pop, like growing and so I was learning about all these brands and so going in and looking at like a pair of blue jeans and being like these are freaking amazing and someone's like yeah I made those and I'm like you made these and and it, it changed me I, I being able to hold something because also when you make music it's an abstract so it, it, it exists in the air it exists in your mind it's not a thing you hold per se unless you make a record but even then it's very ethereal uh, and to hold a garment or a thing that took so much energy and so much creativity and, and design and to be like this was made by someone and to meet the person who made it and then to put it on and then the work that they put in is now sort of can transform into creativity because of the way I'm wearing it and the the evolution of a garment and then the vastness of a trade a craft an art fashion style vintage new i mean whatever it i was like that's it that's it and i said as soon as i get back i'm buying a sewing machine i'm starting a clothing company and i did that's really i don't even know what to say about that because that's a really unique way to start a business yeah absolutely (laughs) absolutely and i was uh, and you like we're trying to find a way to monetize your life, and instead you went kind of left instead yeah, of right. Totally opposite. I was like, I need to find a way to make money. It's like, what if I start a grassroots, made <laughs> in the state brand. clothing yeah. brand that won't make money for the first three or four years? How about I start that? And which is so so honest to how I've always lived. Like my priority has never been money, and that's come to like bite me in the ass a lot. But God, I you know. I, I work so hard to be able to to learn how to listen to my own heart, and that's that's all I know how to do these days. And I came back into Minnesota. I I bought an industrial sewing machine, and, and you didn't know how to sew. No, no. My my mother is lovely and supportive and wonderful, and she quilts and she sewed her whole life, and and she taught me how to use like her home sewing machine. I bought a pattern at Joanne Fabrics, and I made <laughs> like a button up, and it's totally whack, but it's like I made it. Yeah, and I was just I was just pumped. I was so driven to make that one shirt. And then, you know, I was off and running then. And really, what I found so incredible is that there's so many similarities between music and sewing. And so this is what I'm drawing from. I have all this experience, all this work I put in being a musician. Now I'm transferring it into a concept of making clothes in a trade, which people spend hundreds of years trying to learn. And sure. Things like that. And and there's so many differences. You know, all my knowledge of, like, early bebop records isn't translating on how to, like, fell a proper seam. But... The concept of having to work super hard to learn a trade, learn a craft, and and then ultimately, like, the books are great, the training's great, that's important, but when it came to music, like, at the end of the day, like, you gotta just, you gotta just make sound and figure out what you like, and you just gotta make bad sounds and good sounds, and with clothing, you just gotta, like, sew shit together, and it looks awful, and it doesn't fit, or it's like, I made a bandana, it was just two pieces sewn together, but I sewed it together, you know, I made a, a bag, just this dumb tote bag. and But the idea is like you got to start putting fabrics together, seeing what it looks like, seeing how it feels. Yeah. And I dove in and I did that for about a year on my own, just experimenting. And then I came across the, the chain stitch embroidery machine. So tell me about that because I'm in your studio. There's six yep. sewing machines in the back mm-hmm. and they all look used. Like is chain stitch something that was vintage? Yeah, so this, the way the... The story goes is 
when you make manu- when you're manufacturing clothes, you need industrial sewing machines as opposed to home sewing machines. And a home sewing machine can do a lot of stitches and you can put it on top of your table. But if you ran it all day, every day, it would break. It wouldn't really last. Industrial sewing machines have been made for a long time. And each machine does one thing and it's designed to just run 24 hours a day, all day. Like that one thing. Yep. Yeah. And the old machines work just as good as the new ones if you can get them working or get the parts or whatever. And so, essentially, to make, like, a pair of blue jeans, you need, you know, maybe it's 10 different industrial sewing machines to do all the different stitches. Um, and they're out there, and some of them are really expensive, and some of them are cheap. Um, being Coming from the music world, I, I was a gear hunter, so you hit Craigslist, you hit the auctions, and companies will liquidate. Like, old factories will go to business, and, I'll, you know, I've driven all over the country to get sewing machines. If you can get them for cheap, put extra money in to fix them, and then you're in a great machine. Yeah. Through the journey of learning, I was learning about sewing machines and fabrics and just the whole infinite world that I'll never really know. I saw a video of someone using this chain stitch embroidery machine online, which is a very unique, a very specialty sewing machine. Chain stitching is just a way of, of stitching with thread. What's specific about this is it was a machine designed that you steer with a handle underneath the table, so you're freehanding the direction that it stitches. And ideally, what it means is you're just sort of freehanding designing right into the fabric like you're tattooing like you're tattooing clothes yeah Except you're free you're or just, illustrating yeah you're just drawing with thread and with this handle underneath and you know the first mechanism of this was invented in the late late 1800s but before this all embroidery was done by hand one stitch at a time now of course these days it's computerized and it you know it's like a printer but in the in between was this version of a machine that a machine laid the stitch so it was fast but you still needed a crafted operator to, and a designer in which to follow lines and design on the fabric. And it's this sweet spot in like the Industrial Revolution where it still required a lot of art. It still required a lot of dedication and craft. And it ultimately yields a much more meaningful thing on the other end. And I saw someone using that machine online, and I was sold. I was like, that's the coolest shit i ever seen. And you just knew right then that that was going to be your jam. Yeah, that's going to be my jam. And... Those machines are really hard to find. They're really rare. I had found mine. A lady was selling it online. It was her grandmother's, so I knew that it was like they had kept it up all these years. It's from 1940. It was French made, and it was in North Carolina. And it costs as much to ship an industrial machine as it does gas to drive somewhere. So I said, "All right, you know." I packed up the car. I drove down to North Carolina, picked it up, and brought it home. You know, and I partied along the way too. But <laughs> but I I brought it home and. And essentially what I was able to do is this whole time I've been learning how to make clothes, which takes a bazillion years. I mean, patterns and sewing and all these other things. And there's no really rushing it. It just takes time to get better and better. And so I have been on that journey. With the embroidery machine, I was able to start, which there was a learning curve for that too, but I was quicker to be able to start working on garments and working with customers and doing work in the what I would call the industry or in the game by embroidering people's names on their stuff or little designs while I was still learning how to make clothes in hopes, which is essentially happening now, that the embroidery is a piece and then now I'm making clothes from scratch. And the goal is to just continue to make awesome wearable stuff that incorporates embroidery or maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's vintage, recycled, maybe it's whatever, but essentially being a brand, being a house that people can go to and like, like there's cool shit to wear, I want to wear it. And there's an aesthetic to it that they know speaks and looks like you. Yes, exactly. And, and 
you, you know, anything, every song, every garment, every painting has an imprint of the creator. And very much so, as much separation from computers as you can, the more that you're going to sort of leave your impression on a piece. And so for sure, the, all the chain stitch embroidery, as well as the garments I make or the designs I come up with, the colors I use, all these things start to sort of hone in me as a designer. And I never really considered myself a designer, but when you start making choices on how something's going to look... That's what you are. You're a freaking designer. Do you, so you have this studio here. Do you manufacture the work and then people come in and buy the pieces or is it, is the bread and butter, the custom work that people bring you things that they want you to embroider? Right now it's, it's a, it's everything, right? For the longest time it was just the custom embroidery pieces, um, which I'm still doing a lot of, but I also sew garments, custom and there's a huge need. I'm just constantly, I'm just constantly backed up on orders for people that want huge pieces done, which is amazing. And and I'm trying to carve out time to continue to invent my own ideas so that I can launch designs that are fully original through the brand Dinosaur Hampton. And then I have this full customized realm of it, as well as like I've done manufacturing for small brands as a way to make money, which is such a win-win because. I'm helping someone make some cool stuff as well as I'm getting more experience on the machine and making and blah, 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 blah. And essentially, you know, I'm 31 years old right now. I started this thing when I was 20, whatever, three, four years ago. And like, I felt like I had a lot of, I had to make up for a lot of lost time of not knowing how to do what I claim to know how to do. Yeah. So as much as I can, like as much as I can grind to like, you know, get my sea legs, the better. And so I take every repair that comes my way, every freaking thing. And So how many hours a day are you legitimately sewing? Um, it, it's just different every day, right? Like, like work, it's just, it's two full-time jobs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some days I sew for 10 hours straight because that's what the day calls for. Some days I'm cleaning the studio or like washing and folding vintage clothes. Some days I'm all emails. Some days I'm doing events and I'm calling stuff. Some days I'm doing photos, which is pretty great. And then, you know, I'm very much in like the, like currently living the struggling startup small business world. <laughs> so what does that look like? Do you have like oh. a budget of, you know, this is how much money my studio costs and this is how much money I can spend? Or are you just hand to mouth, literally project to project uh, super hand to mouth in that way and it comes from like i'm great at a lot of things which means there's a ton of things i'm not good at money management finances i i i'm not good at and yep. that's been one of the hardest things for me is growing a business is like trying to on top of create creativity work with people keep output organize my shit and it's always been a struggle for me and you know, I'm slowly now starting to get people to come around me that are helping me do that because more than in, in, it wasn't like I don't think I'm I don't think humans are designed to do everything great. I think humans are yeah, designed to have, not. to have holes in their skills, which requires us to bring new people around us. And like humans are designed to gather and help each other. Yep. That's why like so it's like I need someone who's good at finances and I have an accountant now that I I use and he helps me with that. And And how do you know like how much to charge for a garment? Like, do you base it on the amount of time you think it's going to take you? And in that respect, do you always underbid? Uh, well, the first thing, the the way you know how, is like experience of just taking your licks, just making mistakes, you know? Super undercharging and losing a ton of money on a project <laughs> yeah. to like way overcharging and losing a customer. 
there's no shortcuts to just the experience of it, right? And I try to, I have like my own personal rate that I think of in my head that's like hourly. Like, like if I was, not, if I, if I didn't take a break, if I didn't go to the bathroom, if I just stitched or it's stitching, it's finishing, it's pressing, it's any of that kind of stuff. Like, how many hours does this project take? And then my, then like the number I'll come up with incorporates cost of materials if there are materials. And, you know, my batting average is at like 80% right now. But I definitely, I had a project just the other day that, I quoted the guy. I was like, yeah, I think it'll take me like four hours. It took me like 15 hours. <laughs> I weigh, I weigh under, like I had no clue, but now I know. Like, and I think too, as an artist that you, whatever you're charging for when you're charging hourly, cause I do a lot of freelance work too. You don't charge for the time it takes you to do all the other stuff other than the actual work, right? Absolutely. But to learn a new skill or to keep your skills honed, you know, that takes time too. And that's just all on your back usually. Totally. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, you know, learning how to talk and think money is, is I mean, there's whole schools for that crap. You know what I mean? And yep. learning how to work with customers on, on rates and... Some people are like, hey, I want a huge embroidery project. And they're like, my budget's $40. And then another person will have the same idea. And they're like, my budget's $1,000. And it's just people are coming from such different places. There's no way to assume or know. Um, and I also am like, I know people who are like real, real hard nose about like my price. Like this is my rate. And like there's no wiggle room. Right. But like for me, it's like, yo, I'm learning too. There's tons of wiggle room because like if it's a friend, if it's a cool project, if it's something that will help me learn, if I know I'm going to spend twice the amount of time, but it's because I don't know how to do that skill yet. Right. Like I'm down to work with people, at, at least right now, because what's valuable to me is the people that are on my side at these early stages right now. How do people find out about your work? Instagram. Tell me about that. Instagram is this beautiful free tool that has changed everything, right? Social media in general, but like Facebook sucks now. I don't use Twitter or, and there's all these other ones. Vine. Did you ever use Vine? <laughs> no. Vine but... <laughs> was the bomb. Vine was totally the bomb and it, it had a short life, which is unfortunate. But, but Instagram is the best parts of Facebook, which is just the pictures. Uh, and it did this incredible thing where it made everyone pretend to be a photographer, which is amazing. Like I love, I'm not a photographer, but I love pretending to be one and taking pictures and using filters. And it allowed all these people to reach the whole world. So when you put like a embroidered jacket on Instagram, is that how you are selling? Yeah. So essentially, eventually the website will be stocked with items. Maybe I'm in physical stores, all these kinds of things, but it's all like emails and direct messages from Instagram and through the website, which someone's like, Hey, that looks, that looks super awesome. How can I get something? And then I'm like emailing. I'm like, yo, let's set something up. And it's all kind of that right now. And then I do a lot of events still. And What kind of events do you do? I do, I do you know, the pop-up market thing has been a, a booming industry. And well, I will bring the sewing machine. I'll bring the embroidery machine to these events. And I'm doing on-site embroidery. So you can bring your jean jacket from home and I'll put your name right on it. You know, as well as I have like bandanas people can get stitched up. And, you know, and I've done... I've done a bunch of those and they go so, yeah, they go super great. Uh, not all of them, of course, but like that way I'm meeting people in person and that's a huge way I build the connections. And 
every single person has an idea and wants to wear awesome things, but a lot of people don't have the means or they don't know what they're looking for or they just haven't gotten around to it. But then when you can connect with someone in person, I can give them a card or like give them my number and be like, yo, like if you want to make that thing come to life, like hit me up. Let's do it. Like we can do it. If you're seeing someone who's walking down the street with a cool pair of overalls or a textured jacket or whatever it is, can you kind of see what that could be in your mind? Could be in sort of what way? Like, can you see an embroidered look oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. how that could come together for uh, that person? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, you're look, you're, you know, you're like a master chess player where you're thinking five steps ahead. You're like, yo, if we did a huge tiger face that was like jumping out of like a surfboard and then like eating like a bald eagle, that would be sick. And then, <laughs> and then sometimes I will straight up like, like sometimes I can't help myself. I'll just go up to people like, yo, that jacket's amazing. If you ever want a whole bunch of embroidery on it, let me know. And then sometimes strangers are cool and sometimes they're not. But, like, <laughs> I do. Like, I just, that's how I see things. That's how I see the world. And I can see that this is something that could really, it's very personal. So how do you get to where you can make enough money? Do you have to just charge enough per piece? Do you have to mass produce? Like, from just a business perspective? Yes. Or is it more that it just becomes art? Like this high-end art. Oh, you're totally right. It's it's about knowing what model you're going after and then finding the most efficient way to succeed in that. So totally, the concept of like an artist is you make one-of-a-kind works that only you can do and you can sell them for a million dollars if you want to. Yeah. Right? Your Picasso or what have you. And I know people who do fa- what's considered fine art. And that's a route you can do and there's steps to do that and you could spend your whole life and then your stuff won't sell until after you're dead. But good if you go for it. Go for that. I don't necessarily want to do that. I want to make more clothes for more people and I want to build a, a proper brand that makes products, you know, in the States or makes products with integrity that then are at a, a an appropriate price for everyone that people want to buy and wear. I mean, as simple as that. And whether it's special one-off pieces or runs of clothing. And the way to make money, which is the hardest question of all, is essentially, I mean, the way to make money is to find sustainability. You know, it's not like the sexy things that people talk about. It's like, how do you make it in the game? It's like, you got to want it more than anyone else. It's like, nope, that doesn't do it. Or it's like, you got to like grind and hustle until your fingers fall off. It's like, nope, nope that don't do it either. That. It's like, here's what you need to do. Like, like financial discipline, build a proper team, have small overhead. Like, you know, it's like, these are the real things. And this is what I'm, I'm trying to do. And, you know... Items that cost less to make, make multiples of those that people still want to buy, which have a larger profit margin. Um, you know, keep things consistent with as far as like like quality and integrity. Uh, do things that you think are fun and can engage customers. I mean, ultimately, like the way to make money is sell shit people want to buy. That's the truth. A lot of people, a lot of people don't see this, but a lot of people sell bullshit that no one wants to buy, but somehow they get tricked into buying it all over the world. And... Whatever, good for them. They got their money. Walmart's got their money. I don't got that Walmart money. But I think the way I think about it is more than anything, like you'll always come up with new ideas. You'll always come up with new designs, new markets, new ways to sell. But a brand's track record is the most valuable piece. Is any brand that you can look at and be like, yeah, for the like 
for the past how many seasons, how many years, they keep making cool stuff that I want to wear. Like that's going to speak so much louder to creating someone who wants to invest. Maybe it's a $500 jacket. Maybe it's a $20 patch. But people are like people go to restaurants that they know have good food. Yep. You know, sometimes you'll try a brand new restaurant, but you know inside that you're gambling because that place could be closed in a month. But, you know, like freaking, I don't know, Pizza Hut. <laughs> pizza Hut's still in business. It sure is. Because you know exactly what kind of pizza you're getting. It sure is. And when you want that pizza, it's there for you waiting. And like, I want Dinosaur Hampton to be the Pizza Hut. I don't know if that's I kind of love what you're saying because it's unexpected to me. Because you're a really cool dude. You're doing cool shit. I look around the studio. It's vintage. It's aesthetic. It's just, you're all that in a bag of chips. Yeah. But, and that's what I expected from you. Yep. But then to hear you talk about, yeah, but I also want to have a business. And yep. I want to grow this business. And I want my design company to flourish. And I'm not ashamed to have a business as well as be an artist. Yeah. That, to me, is really interesting. And that makes you an entrepreneur. Yeah, absolutely. Entrepreneur is, is such a... Uh, interesting word you know it it can be so like feel so elusive and it does sound sexy like i'm an entrepreneur right and sometimes like people like i want to be an entrepreneur and i think the world should be like no don't do that because it's just not for everybody um and it means yeah i mean i consider myself an entrepreneur because for that reason that i consider myself a creative and an artist but i'm trying to create a business that makes money and can pay people to work for it and lasts for a million years. And still create cool stuff. And still create cool stuff. Yeah. And I think that's super possible. You know, and the key to it all is, you know, the concept of like, of like target markets and like ages and like regions is, is gone because of Instagram and these things that I can have a niche brand in Minneapolis, Minnesota and not be in any physical stores and I can still sell wildly. You can like, commoditize it. I yeah. can sell tons of things to people all over the planet because they can just message me through Instagram. And you can just send them a Venmo link. and A Venmo link. And the concept of like seasons, like, you know, oftentimes things were released like spring, summer or like fall, winter. Yeah. But like, you know, climate change is ruining seasons anyway, so that's gone. And you can sell a thing in the middle of October just like you can sell it in the middle of the night in February or whatever, and it'll sell. You know, gender is fluid, so like men's and women's stuff is... It's, it's still cool, but it's becoming more and more irrelevant because right. we all wear whatever we want to wear. So when you look at Instagram as the base of your business and Instagram is changing and commoditizing and it's harder to get seen, do you play the Instagram ads game? No. Would you? Like yeah, how I mean, do you get new followers? Uh, yeah, so this gets into the realm of like, I know people who do the, the ad thing and it's and it's for them right there's a lot of mechanisms out there in which to grow that are really good for some people and not good for other people right like if i got a billboard it wouldn't help me any i would waste a lot of money but if i was a realtor a billboard would help me yeah you know what I mean? it would. so there's these things uh followers um you know you can buy followers there's apps that you buy sure. followers and they're all fake but you got followers uh i'm very fortunate in the way that early on i did good shit that people wanted and people tag me in the Instagram and then all their friends follow me and hit me up. And so I haven't had to do any like additional advertising on my own because the word of mouth does it for me. No reckon. I don't, I don't have an enormous following per se, but, but if they're active and engaged, it doesn't matter. Exactly. So the, I probably have like 3,300 followers right now is what I have. And probably only a hundred of them are fake. Right. 
as opposed to people who might have a million and who knows how many are right. are fake. And my thing isn't like I'm not trying to compete with Target. So it's like I'm not trying to make an affordable button-up shirt that's made overseas for like the average Joe. So it wouldn't make sense for me to have 100,000 followers for a thing that I couldn't even produce. And so an advertisement to try to get more followers, like I can barely keep up with the orders I have now. I was going to ask you that about how far out are you? <laughs> Forever. Yeah. <laughs> Forever. If if the phone stopped ringing, I would keep myself busy until the day I died. But the phone keeps ringing and the goal is to get more people on the team so that I can keep up with more and more output. Can you train people to do what you do with the chain stitching? Yeah, you can. Um, and my friend Bree is actually... She's on, here. She's on the machine, uh, you know, 20 yards away from us right now. And, I, you know, she's learning right now. And it'll take her some time to get used to it. But also it's like I need money to pay her so that she can work hard to help me make money, which money I can pay. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's a cycle. It's chicken and the egg, which is a part of the problem. Is there someone that we would know of in the Twin Cities that you would love to like style or that you're like, my aesthetic is this person or this thing? No. I was just thinking of, I don't know why, but... <laughs> That's min- a bad, I shouldn't say, say no. I don't, I don't know. There isn't somebody that you're like, man, like, how about if Jack White walked in and he wanted you to design a shirt for him? That'd be pretty cool. That'd be cool if he's a nice guy. I've never met Jack White. I. It could go either way, I yeah, hear. Yeah, <laughs> I could... So here's the truth. I could... This sound... Hang in there. Uh, uh, like, I could give a shit about Jack White. I could give a shit about any celebrity or whatever, right? I recognize that if a celebrity wears your shit, they wear it in TV, you can gain more followers or whatever. But even that, that doesn't create sustainability. That creates a flash. Um, but if Jack White's a cool, down-to-earth dude who cares about great clothes and, and invests in his style, then hell yeah. Like, let's have a cup of coffee. Let's talk about it. You know, who I care about is, you know... My friend Joe, who Joe is the it's the, the royal Joe of just a, a person who's imaginary, but who is like, I, I have my life, I have the things, I go through the motions each day, but this gives me joy, this gives me life, this is part of why we do it. And being able to dress yourself and pick the things you wear can is very gift-giving to, ser- a ser- to people's psyche. And like someone who cares and understands the value behind that is... That's who I want wearing my stuff. That's who I want to style. Well, and sometimes when you put something on, you feel like all that in a bag of chips, right? Absolutely. Like well, you just know you look good. No doubt. It's your signature thing. Well, and here's the thing is is the world, like the fashion or the style industry is like, you know, pharmaceutical industries. Like they keep us sick and then they sell us a medicine. So they're like, hey, you look bad. You need to buy these shirts. And fuck that. <laughs> so you can look good. So you can look there good? Like, so I can look Target good? I, and I love Target. Sure. Let me say this. Like, like, I Target, you can call anytime. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Dinosaur Hampton. No, it's all right. No, because I do. Like, I did a, I did a shadow program at, at Target as well as I've worked with a ton of people from Target. And, like, like I tried to, like, apply there once. And... Targets of someone who I, I guess like I'm, I got more beef with Walmart or whatever, but like you know a big business or a big box store can feel like it's a little like dominating of a thing, but also like Target like wherever like and they actually have a lot of integrity in manufacturing as well. Like, yeah, they, they put do. A, they put a lot of work into that, but they also make like cool shit. Like I have a Target jacket hanging up right there that I embroider. That's one of my most successful images on Instagram because it was a dope brown jacket, you know, and and. 
this is the thing. It's like clothing. Clothing is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to look good. It's supposed to make you feel good. And the world of fashion has treated us like we need, like inherently there's something wrong and we need to solve that problem with their solutions. It's like, oh my gosh, your body looks like this. You need to wear these kinds of stripes. I don't know. That's an example. And like stripes are dope if you want to wear stripes. That's right. And the problem is there's a lot of people who have an abusive relationship with their style because they don't have outlets or they don't feel comfortable. They don't feel confident or because stores, whether it's their sizes or their whatever, just makes them feel like, I don't know, like, and then it's easier just like, I'm just going to stay at home and just wear nothing. (laughs) I'm just going to wear pajamas, you know? And that's why people are out in the world wearing wearing pajamas. pajamas. When, you know, we have this abusive relationship with our style when, People should be people should be inspired by their style. Like you get to choose what you want, and there's no rules like brown with black belt or like this color after a certain this day. That's all bullshit. It's all created to like sell ideas that are imaginary. When the truth is, there's no bad look. There's no bad style. You know, if you like suits, wear a suit. And I so many times guys will put on like a hat. Hats are the you know the the whipping boy of the style world because like they'll be like my hat looks ter- my head looks terrible in this and they'll be like i'm not a hat guy i'm like who says you're not a hat guy like you're a total hat guy the deal is you just put on a hat you're a dope ass hat guy <laughs> and they're like people think they can't pull things off and it's right. like you don't have to wear a hat if you don't want to but make style choices not out of op- false obligation but out of things that give you joy if i'm you, starting yeah. to experience this style of aging right yes. so yes. you know can i wear shorts anymore can I wear this anymore? Can I wear that anymore? Totally. Totally. And it feels like, like whose rules am I trying to follow here? Yeah, I don't and know. And I'm spending all this extra energy. Like, I'm, I can barely keep up with paying my own bills. <laughs> and God damn it, like, I'm trying to think about, like, your shit that you're putting on me just because, like, I watched a commercial or I went into your store. Sure. And clothing, for me, not only is it fun, not only is it, like, my extension of my identity, um, it gives me joy and then it inspires other people just the way that like when I see someone dressed awesome, like I don't wear a lot of sneakers, but sneaker culture is enormous. And when I see someone in like dope sneakers, I'm like, yo, that gets me pumped up, even though I'm not going to wear those sneakers, but I'm starting to think about all these other things. And so many places like, like, you know, there's all these like subscription services now where you can sure. get cool clothes, which I think Stitch is a great, fix and, yeah, 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 which is a, which is a great model because a lot of guys are like the, the anxiety comes from like going to the store or going shopping. But through this, you're able out of comfort to pick things and try stuff. And if that gets you wearing a new color, a new style, a new cut, like amazing. What's, and, what's coming up next for you? Like in the next. I, I, before that, I, I, I do want to go back and I want to say that the people that impress me in the modern clothing game is like, like, I don't know where H&M makes their stuff, but they have definitely moved into a very, like, a modern look. And they've allowed people to, like, dress sort of creative, creatively. And and then I'll go back and I'll say, like, like Target. I know people who are, like, the trend people at Target. And they make, like, vintage-inspired shit. And, like, the Goodfellas men's brand is, yeah. like, awesome. I stitch more Target jean jackets for embroidery than any other brand. That's funny. Than more than Levi's. Yeah. Because like dudes love, it fits good. They're made out of cotton. They look great. Beautiful denim. And like, I'm down with anybody who can create an accessible garment that makes people smile. So, big ups to everyone making people smile. And if you need a garment and you want to make people smile. Yeah. (laughs) Find find Dinosaur Hamper. Dinosaur Hamper. Where it's at. (laughs) 
or anywhere else that makes you smile. I mean, the, are the Twin Cities are just filled with vintage vendors and makers and women's brands and men's brands that just make cool shit. You know, and so so buy cool clothes, make yourself smile. That's my new slogan. <laughs> buy what, what is, buy cool clothes, make yourself smile. I like it. That's good. That's good. When we look out like the next three to six months, we're kind of getting into the fall and winter. Do you do Fashionopolis and play in all those arenas? I did one fashion show a year or two ago, (laughs) and it sucked because I worked really hard on a piece that I thought was awesome. People saw it briefly, but then went to the bar, and no one bought it because why would they? And I didn't make any money. And I got no more followers on Instagram, and none of them converted into clients or sellers, so... It was like a lose, 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 lose. So instead, you're just making stuff that people want and getting inspired and making stuff you want. Yeah. I mean, I generally am opposed to the game, the quote unquote, like playing the game. Like you got to be part of a fashion show. Like Project Runway is one of the worst things a designer could do to their career. I feel like I, I know people who I, I know someone who's been on it. And I know people are trying to get on it. But, you know, people who are on American Idol. Yeah, they're great singers. And they're forever known as the person who's on American Idol. Right. When it's like, and maybe they reach more people. And again, I, I, I guess I I've, I'm in no place to knock anybody's hustle. And maybe they got way more money than me, which is great. But the person that when I'm home, the record I put on is not someone from necessarily American Idol. The clothes I buy isn't someone from Fashion, from Project Runway. But the ones that I care about and that I feel like speaks to me or is honest. And I think like if we looked at, I'm not a huge fashion run or pro- what is it called? Project Runway. Thank you. <laughs> but Christian Siriano is probably one of the only people in that whole series that is like really broken out and For has sure. become a yeah. full-fledged designer. And we can probably say that about American Idol too. Yeah. Like well, and also like Chris I, Daughtry. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, there's like a handful. Well, and also like I like big fashion brands. I like Dior and I like Supreme and I like these things. Like I think that's great. I think that, well, the deal is Project Runway isn't about designers. It's a reality TV show about drama. So is American Idol. Yeah, exactly. So is all these other shows. So is like Shark Tank. Like I the, do love that show. Shark Tank. I mean, great, but d- do not kid yourself that this is changing small businesses as no. much as it, and it it's is, all scripted and written. It's a great TV show. The Apprentice. The Apprentice is a was a load of bullshit, and the whole damn world bought it. And we got a president out of it. We got a shit president from that's a shit TV show, a real and that's bummer. the power of it. And that's why, like, people have asked me to be on Project Runway. They're like, you should apply. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm going to just keep... I'm going to be on Project 2nd Avenue. I'm going to be Project North 2nd Street. <laughs> Hell yeah. Like, come to the crib. Come down to the dojo and, like, get some fix right now. So when I look around, like, what do you have coming up? You've got a giant tarp on the ground over there. You've got yeah. clothes everywhere. There's There's really practical things coming up, which is creating more designs, keep flushing the website with like an official web store and having product that people can like shop opening this whole space as a more full-time showroom that people can come to on a regular basis shop great pieces get things stitched um i have a bazillion cool ideas and collaborations with all these other great makers and brands as well as like events coming up i'm doing this great piece uh which is coming up i mean when does this show come out when, um, when are we going live? I might put you out today or tomorrow, actually. Great. Great. And I guess the listener doesn't know what today or tomorrow is. No, so they cool. don't. <laughs> so it could be. This was recorded. It's in, the mystery. This was recorded in 1999. And we're all excited for Y2K. Uh, in, <laughs> in, uh, I really thought Y2K was going to be a thing. Did you put water in your tub? No. I, I was, did. I was 
when the ball dropped on Y2K, I was, I don't remember how old I was. My family was ready for Doomsday. They had the flashlights. My cousin and I, we were at their house. I was playing Cruising USA for Nintendo 64. <laughs> uh, and I was just praying. I was like, do not make the power go out because for the first time, I'm finally winning. That is so funny. And I was like, I'm going to be so pissed if it's Apocalypse <laughs> right now, right before I win. And now, and that's still my top priority. Um, October 6th, which is a Sunday, here in my studio, I'm, I'm collaborating with a project that's called Concept Create. And it's going to be a really hip, sort of an artist-driven show surrounding denim and sort of these stories that can be told in these art pieces that are created through denim. Cool. Not only am I hosting, and I'm, I was fortunate enough to be one of the actual the artists of the project. Um, and I'll be advertising it some on the website and stuff too. But it's going to be... It's going to be freaking awesome. And I'm always trying to come up with cool-ass ways that an event can be that's not just come and buy clothes because they're on the rack. But, you know, last year I did an auction. I did a clothing auction where I was like the old-timey auctioneer. We had a band on stage. And models came up with the numbers. The numbers are right over there. And people would just like, like with the paddles, I made the paddles. and I like and, it. You know, and auctioned off the clothes. Did and you make money? Uh, no. <laughs> But it will in the future. Because, yeah, like, it's a you, cool idea. Yeah, because like you do one, you figure out how it works, and you keep doing. It. I wanted, I yeah. want to do one every year, and um, and you know, I like those kinds of things, and I like, uh, yeah. So my deal is just keep selling awesome things to wear, collaborate with awesome people, and then do awesome events that people want to go to. So that's what's up. All that's right, what's coming up. Well, it's been super fun to talk to you. Yes. Thank you so much. Thanks for the work you do for like helping these great creators and these makers. Yeah. It's really my pleasure. There's makers of all kinds and it's hard to get seen. It's hard for people to get the word out. And you guys all have such unique and diverse stories. Yeah. And at the same time, what's funny about it, because I've done like 150 some of these. Wow. The more you talk to people, the more we're the same, right? So no it's doubt. just like different mechanisms of how you're going to get there. And the products are different and the aesthetics are different. But the bottom yeah. line and the drive and a lot of those things are the same. Yeah. And cool. Fun. Yeah. I mean, we're all just, you know, the currency I know of at this stage in my life at, at 31 years old is is smiles. That's the only thing I'm trying to invest in. And not not a fake smile, but the smile where like something inside you happens that you literally can't hold back a smile. And you're excited about it. Yeah, and like we're all just trying to do that. And so do that. Everyone. And if you're not, if you're stop not, it. Stop start whatever, doing it. Stop whatever is keeping you from smiling. Get it at the hell out of there. Yeah, stop. All right. Thanks. Thank you. 